Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. You meet me in Acts chapter number 12. We'll read just the last verse of Acts 12 and then go into chapter 13. As you are turning there, remember tomorrow night here at the church is power hour time of prayer. Amen. If you can come and make 10 minutes of that or hour of that, whatever. Doors are open from 730 to 830. Amen. We have a lot to continue praying about. Amen around here. Amen for one another. We could probably just spend that hour praying for one another and it would go by pretty quick. Uh, so pray for one another. Also, Friday night is Friday, Friday night, Friday game, family game night, I should say. Family game night starting at 730 in the back. Amen. Bring you something to snack on or something to share. Amen with one another. Just finger food stuff. Of course, as always, though, if you're bringing the 12 ounce ribeye for your pastor and stuff, I understand. But anyway, amen. Uh, come and we're just going to snack and have a good time of fellowship. Amen. If you know someone that is maybe normally intimidated by just being in a service, invite them to family game night. Amen. Have a time of you know, board games, card games, whatever there may be. Have a time of fellowship with one another. Amen. Have a good time. Amen. With one another. Acts chapter number 12. Going to read the last verse. I let that one go last week on purpose. To pick up with that this week. I want to start reading there and then we'll go on into chapter 13. The Bible says in verse 25 of Acts 12, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Chapter 13, verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Serene, and Man-Anan, which had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. When they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed into Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. When they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. Amen. For a little while here this evening, I want to teach this tonight. Sent by the Holy Ghost. Sent by the Holy Ghost. Father, I come to you this evening. I'm asking God for that Holy Ghost. God, make itself known in this place, Lord, through the teaching of your word. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, we've once again gathered together to center our lives around the word of the Lord, knowing, God, that it speaks truth and it speaks enlightenment, God, to our personal lives. I pray, God, give us instruction, God, by your word tonight. God, touch each and every soul, each and every heart, God, that's gathered here this evening. God, continue to strengthen, heal, and set free, God, those that are in dire need this evening, God, and will not fail to give you the thanks, the glory for what you accomplish and do. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. Sent by the Holy Ghost. We've got to go backward just a little bit to go forward here tonight. As the Bible said in the last verse of chapter number 12 that Barnabas and Saul are returning from Jerusalem to Antioch. They had already been at Antioch before, if you will remember. And this is the Antioch that is in Syria. There are several Antiochs, again, in Acts, in the Bible, for that matter, to keep track of. But if you'll remember, going all the way back to chapter number 11, Barnabas was commissioned by the church at Jerusalem to go to Antioch uh, to help establish that church that was growing and, and multiplying there. And as he was there, he seen that 
the members were increasing in so much that he felt like he needed some help to do what he had been called to do. So he went down, the Bible says, to uh, a place and found Saul of Tarsus to help him in the work there at Antioch. So both Barnabas and Saul was at Antioch helping that church as it was growing, as it was being established. And uh, we see this in Scripture. In Acts 11, verse 25, it states, Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. If you skip down to verse number 29, the Bible even speaks determined. I'm just reading portions of the verses here. Determined to send relief unto the brethren. Verse 30, sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So uh, Barnabas has got Saul from from where he was to help him in the work at Antioch. And there came a prophet that said there's going to be a dearth and a drought in the land. And uh, they were to take up money to help Jerusalem out. And this was superintended, if you will, by Barnabas and Saul to do this work. And so uh, we leave them in chapter 11 that they're going to be collecting money and they're going to be distributing money before it's all said and done. And so that's what essentially has happened uh, during the time of Acts chapter number 12 that we studied last week where we read uh, concerning Peter now. Not, not Saul, but Peter and him being incarcerated and everything that took place with him. And so we open up then in, in the closing and in the opening, if you will, of verse number or chapter number 13 is that Barnabas and Saul, after they've done this distribution work, they are returning now. They're returning back to Antioch. And after they've given the relief where the relief was needed and the monies where they were needed, they've come back to Antioch now. And they, they, they got somebody joining with them by the name of John Mark, the name of John Mark. And we'll study a little bit more of him uh, later in the book of Acts. But he is with them. The Bible says that uh, whenever they will depart again a little later, that he had come to be their minister or uh, literally their servant. He had come just to serve with them. And so chapter 13 opens. By telling us some names of particular teachers and particular prophets that were in Antioch working at that time. And we know from, from Acts 11 verse 27, the Bible said that it was in these days that came prophets from Jerusalem to Antioch. So some of them are there because they had left Jerusalem and went to Antioch. The, the, the dynamics uh, have shifted concerning uh, what is the primary church and what is the primary character in person in the book of Acts. I touched on that, I think, last week. The first 12 chapters, we see a lot of, of, of focus that's placed upon uh, Peter being the, the main character in the book of Acts. And everything is centering around, seemingly, the city of Jerusalem. People are dispersing from there. And so it's the church at Jerusalem. It's Peter. But now the dynamic has changed. Peter has been delivered from prison and he goes off to some place in hiding. We don't know where, but we really don't see him cross across the pages again till about Acts chapter 15. Now the attention is turned from Jerusalem now toward Antioch. And, 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 and this might seem weird for some of us to say, and we do, we, we, we undergird everything that happened in Acts chapter number two, the birth of the church, and we're grateful for that. But there's probably no better picture of the church than the church at Antioch. Because the Jerusalem church, by and large, mainly is made up of Jews. But it's the church of Antioch that is that conglomeration of people, of Jew and Gentile, and a mix of, of race that's taken place. And so the shift changes over to Antioch. And now the person that is the focal point is the Apostle Paul that we read of here in Acts 13, who is still being referenced as Saul at this point of time. And here are some of the other names that are teachers and, and prophets at Antioch. Barnabas, which we are familiar with, a man that, that is an encourager, if you will, of the brethren. He's taken the down and the outs and those that are not thought too much of, and he's bringing them under his arm and encouraging them and being a help and encouragement to them. He is from Cyprus. There's Simeon, the Bible says, who's called Niger, which the word Niger means dark complexion. It's Latin for dark complexion, so it's quite possible that the Simeon individual is of a dark complexion or a person of a dark complexion type of race. There's Lucius of Serene. There's Manaean brought up with Herod, the Bible says, the Tetrarch. This is, this is Herod that was known. Remember, there's a lot of Herods. This was the Herod Antipas. This was the Herod who was responsible for the execution of John the Baptist that we're talking about. This man... Mananin was brought up with Herod, and the Bible also says Saul. It's interesting, whenever you consider it, 
that Mananin was brought up with Herod. Both of these individuals then, from my understanding, if you brought up someone, you probably you lived in the same neighborhood, you went to the same school, if we're talking about modern day, right? Uh, you, you, you might have played wiffle ball together in each other's backyard. I don't know. Uh, they don't play wiffle ball today. You did it on, I guess, Xbox. You played wiffle ball on Xbox today. Uh, but nevertheless, they were brought up together. And so what that tells me is this. Mananin and Herod had the same settings, similar experiences, similar perhaps opportunities, but each went in opposite directions from each other. Uh-huh. One found themselves as a prophet teacher in the church, while the other found himself in the world opposing the church, even executing a very great voice of the church, and that was John the Baptist. So we have two people that were brought up together, and yet they have two different paths and destinies, although they've received perhaps similar experiences, similar opportunities in a similar setting. Someone say amen. And you know what? You see this reoccurring throughout the word of the Lord. People can have similar experiences. Be raised, we could even say, Brother Terry, in the same household. And have different paths and different venues. Cain and Abel, reared in the same home by the same parents. But one brings something that is acceptable unto God and the other one, not so much. And their destinies and paths diverge vastly from one another. Abraham and Lot. Lot chooses the well-watered plains of the Jordan. Abraham just taking whatever was left. Lot pitches his tent towards Sodom, becomes the magistrate, if you will, of the city. Amen. Abraham Amen. Decides to follow and keep in close contact with God. Lot is taken in incestuous relationships with his daughters. Abraham becomes the father of the Jews, the father of the nation of Israel. Two people that are relatives for that matter, exposed to a lot of the same things, but different paths. Jacob and Esau. You see what I'm talking about? Throughout Scripture, Jacob and Esau. Again, uh, similar settings, but they have different paths. Judas. Contrary to the rest of the disciples, right? Whenever Peter was speaking of Judas in Acts 1.17, he said this concerning Judas, for he, that is Judas, was numbered with us. Peter's telling all the disciples that are sitting there, they're, they're looking to replace the, the Judas or, or fill his vacancy, I might say. And Peter's speaking to the disciples and he says, boys, he says, Judas was numbered with us. You know what he's saying? He's saying he heard what the master teach just the same as you did. He was there when he broke bread and multiplied it just like we were. He, he, he was with him along the seashore and up in some of these mountain excursions. He, he was with him all along the way, just numbered with us. And he said, and he attained a part of this ministry. He was the treasurer of all things. Of the disciples for the Lord. The living Bible even says this phrase that Peter used like this. He said Judas was one of us. Chosen to be an apostle just as we were. But he's not standing here today is he? He's not numbered with us right now as he know. He was already cold in his grave. And for those disciples that Peter was spoken to. That should have been a very sobering moment. Should be a very sobering moment for the remainder of those uh, disciples. And for that matter, for the two that were being considered. For the vacancy that Judas has left. Because whenever they start to think of Judas' actions. And the betrayal that he had taken toward the Lord. Peter's saying, that's what you're thinking of. The betrayal, what he did. But he was one of us. He, He was exposed to some of the very same things that we were exposed to. Destined for the same purpose. But he's not here with us. Someone say amen. amen. Folks, it, I guess the, the, the underlying thought that I want to be penetrating your mind right now is that there's some similar episodes right here. There's some that were reared and raised next to you in close confines with you, whether they were a relative of yours or whether they just attended their ch- this church. And they are not here right now. They were destined for the same place where you are right now. They had some of the very same opportunities that you had or have. 
but they're not here right now. That should be very sobering for us because then the statement comes to our mind, if it weren't for the grace of God, there go I. Call it whatever you want to. Call it whatever snafooed them or whatever uh, uh, snatched them or whatever mind game that it was. That could have been you. That could be us. That could be us. Judas heard many of the same words of Jesus as the others did, witnessed many of the miracles that they did. His feet had even been washed by the Lord. Yeah, the same as all the rest, yet he betrayed the Lord. The Bible says that he saw opportunity to do so. Now, I will say this, and and, and please hear me whenever I say this. It may be true that the odds of a person living for the Lord may be perhaps increased or better off or helped by being raised in the church, but they are not certain. You hear me? They are not certain. Herod and Mananin are, are, are prime examples of that. Judas and all the other disciples are prime examples of that. Because here's the reality. The determining factor about who is and who isn't still resides with the choice of the person. Yes, with the choice of the person. And here's the thing. That choice cannot be made for anybody. We, we, we can teach them. I know this. I know this dad from, 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 from our own family. We, we can teach them. They can all receive the same teaching, same instruction, feel the same power of God that I felt in the services that I grew up in. We can all do that. But every individual, regardless whether they were born and raised in the church or outside of the church, comes down to this. Every individual has a choice. Every individual has ultimately a choice to make. But here's what I get comfort from God's word, and that is this. A person's environment, or might I even say a person's heritage, will not exempt them from being lost, but neither will it prevent them from being saved. I hope you understood what I just said right there. In other words, what I'm saying, if you was brought up in the church, that doesn't exempt you from making a choice to choose otherwise. But just because you were born outside the church in a world of sin and never knew anything about Jesus till your middle age, that didn't prevent you from being saved either from making a choice for God. Amen. And so Herod comes along. He executes John the Baptist, one who is heralding for the Lord. And the other disciple comes along and he decides he's going to be a herald for the Lord. Amen. And so it doesn't boil down tonight necessarily according to an environment issue. It boils down to a choice issue. And it's that choice idea, that choice concept. That the book of Acts, even right here in chapter 13, uh, later applies a little bit more to both the Jew and the Gentile segments of society. Because we've already come to realize that in reality, Brother Daniel, it doesn't, you don't have a better chance of being a Jew than you did if you were a Gentile. I know in the beginning that's the way the mind frame was. If you was a Jew, you had an upper hand. I mean, you was almost halfway to heaven already if you was a Jew. But we've understood over the past several weeks that's not the case. Jew and Gentile stand at level ground at the cross. Both Jew and Gentile stand at level ground at the cross. And so here in the book of Acts, Acts 13 and verse 46, Paul and Barnabas is even going to bring this to the fact it's not about who you are. It's about the choices you make. Because the Bible says in verse 46, then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, speaking to the Jews. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Now, this is what Paul and Barnabas is basically saying. The word of God is going to come to all humanity. The black, the white, the Asian. Uh Uh-huh. The Japanese, the the, the whatever. It's going to come to all mankind. It's what mankind does with that word that determines destinies. It's what mankind does with that word that, that, that determines destinies. You can put it from you and then judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life. Or you can receive that word and you can adopt his righteousness as your righteousness that will make you worthy. 
for everlasting life. So, so please, please don't. I, I've seen this, you know, over time, and I've heard it, you know, through my years of ministry and through my years of serving the Lord. People can somehow at times get in their mind that somebody else has had, if you will, a slant or a benefit that they didn't have concerning access to God. Thinking, well, the, well, yeah, that's what, that's what happens for them because, you know, they cut their teeth on the back of your pew. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, friend. I'm sorry, friend. You aren't more prone, you're no more prone to sin than I was prone to sin. No, 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 no more prone to sin than I was. Uh, yeah, we had different environments, but it all comes down to this. We all have choices to make and a decision to make. The way that we're going to live our life, the word of God that comes. There's people that the word of God is coming to even today. And they're rejecting it. And they are sealing their destiny if they don't change their mind. Amen. For, for being un, unworthy of everlasting life. But I'm here to tell you tonight, I don't care what your environment has been growing up. I don't care your household. I don't care the sin that you've committed in your life. You have a choice and you have a decision. The same God that died, the same Christ that died for me, died for you. That blood that's good for me is good for you. But we all have a choice here. We all have a choice here. Amen. We have a choice that we can take on his righteousness into everlasting life. The Bible says in Acts 13 and verse 2, look at it now. Speaking of these lists of people, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. I've talked along these scriptures before, but we're going to just travel down them one more time. I believe it's important tonight to denote something, and that is this. That before, and, and listen, there might be a lot I say tonight don't apply to you, all right? And if that's the case, just stick it somewhere on your back molars for the day that it might. And if it don't, somebody here on podcast, it does, all right? So, nevertheless, it's important to denote tonight that before Barnabas and Saul was separated by the Holy Ghost and sent for the work that the Holy Ghost had called them. They, along with the others that were mentioned in verse 1, were found ministering unto the Lord and fasted. Before the Holy Ghost separated them and sent them, they were found prior to that already ministering. To the Lord. Someone say amen. See, something's going to happen right here in these verses of scripture. The church of Antioch are going to lay their hands upon Barnabas and Saul, as we know to be Paul. Going to lay their hands on them. Going to commission them, inspired of the Holy Ghost, to go forth. And this will start Paul's first missionary journey that we read about here in the book of Acts. And he and Barnabas are going to be traveling around to several different regions several different cities. They're going to be ministering the word of God to a variety of people. They're going to be fulfilling Acts 1 and 8. They're going to be going to some of the uttermost regions of the world. But before Barnabas and Paul or Saul could minister to their fellow man, they had to spend some time ministering unto the Lord. This is, and then you say, well, I'm not a minister. We're all ministers in some regard. What it boils down to is this. We cannot aptly minister to one another or to anybody unless we spend some time in ministering to the Lord. That's being in the presence. How do you minister to the Lord, Brother McGee? You minister to the Lord through your prayers. You minister to the Lord through your fasting. You minister to the Lord in your devotion. You cannot be of no great service to mankind until you know how to get along with the Lord. He separated them and he sent them. But they had been as they ministered unto the Lord. Amen. Notice the, 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 the separation part came to them as they were involved in that ministry unto the Lord. And they fasted. Amen. And the Bible says and, 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 that, that they were separated for a work. And with that in mind, I think tonight this very plain line, sum it up in one sentence. God will separate you for a purpose 
if you will separate yourself unto him on purpose. Amen. Amen. And the Bible says, look now, separate me, verse 2 still, separate me, this is what the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work, watch it, whereunto I have called, have called them. This phrase almost lends to the idea that the call took place before the separation did. It almost tends to, to pose that there was a call that took place sometimes in, sometime in the past and now they were presently being separated for the work that they had or have been called to. Now, this may not be the way it happens, of course, in every case throughout Scripture, even today, but it is in some I can testify personally for myself that I knew before I ever got married I was going to evangelize. I knew it, hands down. I told my to-be wife that I felt the call in evangelism before we ever got married, and she still married me. But I knew before I ever got married I was, going to be, I was going to evangelize. The call had already come before I ever got married. However, it would be three years later, three years into our marriage, that Dawn and I would be separated not, I'm not talking about divorce and separation. I'm talking about us as a unit would be separated for the work of evangelism that God had called us to. Now, we see other episodes of this in Scripture. David, right? He got his first anointing uh, from Samuel. When none of the other brothers got it, he first got that first anointed to be king. And something like 15 years later, he became king over Judah. And still yet seven years later than that, he became king over Israel or all of Israel. So in excess of 20 years, David had to wait from the time that God called him till God separated him for the work. Someone say patience. Oh, yeah. Patience. There, there, there was a delay, it would seem, between the call and between separated for the work that they had been called to. The constant, you've heard my wife say this probably a gazillion times. We all times say this. We, this is our constant advice that we give uh, to young ministry couples that are seeking guidance across America that we might come in contact with. And that is this, that God's timing is just as important as God's will. Knowing the call and knowing the when may not coincide. You might know the call before you know the when. And so here's what we must think about tonight with that in mind. So let's say sometime in the past, God both called Barnabas and Saul. We know that Saul was called whenever uh, Ananias went to him and put his hands on him. Amen. To be a minister to the Gentiles. It was even spoken over him to a work. But they're not separated until now or sent until now sometime later. And so here's what we got to entertain with our minds concerning aspects of ministry. The question we ask is, what were they doing during the time between the call and being separated and sent? What were they doing in that interim of time that everyone, and including themselves, could have perceived as the delay? And what we see according to Scripture, they used that time to minister unto the Lord. Yeah. They used that time to minister unto the Lord and the Bible says fast. Both of them, both Barnabas and Saul, helped establish the church at Antioch. Both of them was instrumental in collecting the monies for the relief of Jerusalem and distributing the monies for the relief of Jerusalem. Amen. But it was not time yet for them to be sent. But you know what they were doing? They were still ministering unto the Lord. Someone say amen. And so here's what it comes down to. Just because... The timing of the ministry that we feel like sometimes that God has called us to has not yet come to fruition. It does not keep you from finding other veins of ministering to the Lord until it happens. I wish I had an audience full of people that was looking at ministry right now. Maybe I do. Oh, praise God. Because that was a great statement from the Lord. I'm telling you right now, that's a great statement from the Lord. That in the process that there is a, a delay between my call and me being sent. Some would pucker bottom lips. Cry the woes of me, I've been, I've been mistreated. And would fold their arms and do nothing. 
But others see, you know what? This just gives me more time that I can minister unto the Lord. Amen. You know what? Maybe, I don't expect, but maybe David's ministry needed matured some more before he was sent from the time of his call. Maybe the call comes sometimes to get our minds geared in the right direction so we will develop what God's trying to call us to, but it's not yet. Well, Lord, I didn't think it was going to be this rough, but I'm willing. I'm a willing vessel, Lord. See, ministry many times is by degrees. I'm not talking about degrees on a thermometer, but it's by degrees. In Matthew, the common saying to some of the servants of that day that were faithful was, Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over what? Many. But faithfulness is over what? Then you become what? Ruler over many things. Many times. And I'm saying many because I'm not using words always because there's the world. Someone come up to me after church and throw something up in my face. So being very careful with that. But, but many times it's by degrees. Most of you know, anybody ever heard Jeff Arnold preach? Anybody? No? You never heard Jeff? Well, God help some of you. You can't go to heaven unless you do. Pastor Jeff Arnold started his ministry mowing the lawn at his church and cleaning it. I'm telling you. Some of you know this probably like, what? As a matter of fact, he started his ministry as a young, as a child minister doing magic. He was a magician. He did tricks. He started getting calls to go places and do children's ministry. That would later develop into a preaching ministry. Now, he is known world over outside the United States as well. Preach more conferences than we could even probably begin to number. Has a wonderful church in Gainesville, Florida. But he is where he is today because ministry happened by degrees. And you'll talk to any person and preacher, but even otherwise. Sunday school teacher, other people. You'll find out a lot of times in their life that where they are now is not where they always have been. But ministry has happened by degrees. They've started at some level, some spot. They've been faithful over that. They've been excited about that. They've poured themselves into that. And then something else of, of what we may, on a human standard, say a greater magnitude open up. And then they just had that same faithfulness, that same tenacity toward that is. And it just happens by degrees. But all along the journey, you know what they're doing? He, he didn't walk out there and mow that lawn that day and say, let me go to because of the times and preach. No. There was a delay, as it were, from the call, amen, to the time that he was separated for these different, these different levels of ministry in his life. For number one, here's something that we can do between the time of the call and the time of being sent. Peter admonished this to the elders in 1 Peter 5 and 3. He's given all the uh, traits and the qualifications of elders and deacons and, and such. Uh, he says this. He says, being in samples... To the flock. Being samples. He says, here's something that's an admonition or a trait for you elders. He said, be in samples or examples to the flock. Someone say amen. amen. I'll say this, that being an example to the flock many times happens before the call even comes. <laughs> be an example to the flock takes place before a profile is given. Being an example to the flock takes place before the leadership capacity reaches you. Uh-huh. Because God will bring that later because you know what? Whenever leadership capacity comes, then it already draws attention to you. God wants to draw attention to somebody that's already drawn attention to themselves by the way that they've exampled their lives. Before their brothers and sisters. This does not mean, please don't misinterpret me or misquote me. This does not mean then the people that are in leadership are flawless. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. What it simply means is this. They have portrayed a life worth following and imitating before they were ever endorsed. <laughs> Bishop, it's always preferable. It's always preferable. To be a positive example before the job description expects it. I know, I'm just, I'm just teaching here tonight. Just, I mean, I might just be throwing out junk and you'll go back later and eat it. You know, I don't know. 
All of these men, according to verse 2, had been ministering to the Lord, had been fasting, but the Holy Ghost came down and spoke to them, gave direction concerning to Barnabas and Saul. Now look, though. It seemed, though, after they received this instruction, the Holy Ghost said, Barnabas and Saul, I want you to separate. After that happened, look at verse number 3. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands, it's almost, it's almost as though that they heard the word of the Lord speak, the Holy Ghost speak, and then they went back to praying and fasting. It's almost as though they heard what the Holy Ghost say, and they went back to some more prayer. And let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong with continuing fasting and prayer after God already speaks what God wants to do. Amen. Because if the word of God, if ministering to the Lord brought the word, continuing to minister to the Lord, amen, will help initiate that word. Amen. And so we fail tonight when the work God has separated us for is not maintained through the same means that initialized it. In other words, if ministering to the Lord, the Holy Ghost spoke in that moment, it will be continuing to minister to the Lord that will help you in the work he's called you to. Let me break it down like this. Some people, whenever they quote-unquote arrive, forget God. That makes it pretty plain. Some people, when they arrived, whenever they, whenever they have been called upon the one to start preaching conferences, they don't believe they got to pray anymore because they're good enough. I'm making it plain enough. Some people, whenever, whenever they get the Sunday school class or this happens, oh, and we could name a variety, and you put anything you want in the blank, whenever they get into that thing, they think the very thing that brought them to that moment is not the thing that needs to keep them doing what they're doing. Mason, there's some musicians that once they get that head musician director role, they don't believe they got to seek God anymore for what to play for that service. Honey, they're good. But God brings the call. God does the separating. The Holy Ghost does the sending. And the Holy Ghost bear be operating in the work. And that can only happen as if you continue to minister to the Lord after you've got the work as you did before you got the work. No days off in this thing. There's no days off in this thing. Amen. And what we ask ourselves the question, and we say, well, what? I'm serious. How in the world can we do the work without him? This is his work. How can we do the work without him? Because the fact of the matter is this, we can't. There's people fabricating the work. People mimicking other people's works. But folks, there will be no power unless God's in it. There are people reading up on material how other people organize and do a church, and they're trying to mimic that to the best of their ability. You know, that's fine and grand, but if you don't find the direction of God for your church, I don't care if it meets the top ten list in a magazine. If you ain't doing the will of God for your church, forget it. The Bible says in verse 4, so they... Being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed into Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Now what, did verse, now, what did verse 3 tell us? These folks laid hands on them, and they sent them away. Then verse 4 says, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that those men that were with them laid hands on them and sent them away. But now verse 4 says they were sent by the Holy Ghost. What this goes to prove is this, is that these men were being led by the Holy Ghost. They were sending them, but in reality, the, 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 the thing that you don't see is that the Holy Ghost was sending it through those men. God had spoke to them. God had spoke to that body, that church body, to, to the people that were involved there, the leadership of that church, and they said that they're separating you for work, and so they were putting their hand of blessing on them, endorsing them, but in the same time, it wasn't just the hand of a natural man, it was the hand of God that was endorsing that. Amen. And that's what you want to see when you're being sent to a work. Are you listening to me? It's what you want to see when you're concerned in ministry. Are you just getting the endorsement of a man or is there the endorsement of the Holy Ghost behind the man? Amen. Is there endorsement of the Holy Ghost behind the man? 
And so these people, these men were sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Thank God for that. They were in doing the work of the ministry. They were fasting and praying as well. And their, their actions were in agreement with the Holy Ghost. And so they just carried out what the Spirit's desire was for Barnabas and Saul. Now, here's something interesting. Although Barnabas and Saul had been very instrumental in the church at Antioch in establishing that, in collecting the money, distributing money. Although they had been very instrumental in that, God had another purpose for them. God had another purpose for them. And thank God for the leadership within the church that was willing to be led of the Holy Ghost whenever God spoke and the Holy Ghost spoke because we don't see this in Scripture. If they did, we don't have it recorded. We don't hear any complaint from the church at Antioch even though, the, even though that Barnabas and Paul saw who they were sending were great assets to their church. You understand what I'm saying? So you can't, you can't get this mentality uh, because someone may be a great asset here or be a great asset somewhere that God would never call them to another purpose. Proverbs 27 and verse number 2 says, Let another man praise. That word praise means celebrate or commend. Let another man celebrate or commend thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. Let me correlate another verse of scripture with that. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, verses 12 and 18 as a matter of fact. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves. I know this is wordy. Among themselves are not wise. Verse 18. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. So what I, I gather here from the scriptures is this. I don't call myself to a ministry. God does the calling. For that matter, mama doesn't call me to the ministry. Daddy and grandpa don't call me to the ministry. A traveling evangelist doesn't come through and call me to the ministry. Outside of the sanction of your pastor. He said, Paul's saying... We, we don't make ourselves of the number with those that commend themselves, that celebrate or, or commend themselves. Because those people that commend themselves and they start measuring against each other and comparing where he said that, that's not wise. He said the person that commends themselves, he, himself, he says he's, he's really not approved. He says it's the one that is commended or approved of God. That is approved. Now, verse 18, look at verse 18. But whom the Lord commendeth, that word commendeth there means approves, or I like this, it means to stand near or with. So the, it's the person whom the Lord stands near, or the one that the Lord stands with. Someone say amen. Let me tell you something. If you, and then I'm not calling anybody anything tonight, okay? But if God calls you to a pastorate, you want his commending. You want him to be standing with or near you. God calls you to any venue of ministry, you want him standing by you. I guarantee you right now. You want him standing with you. I guarantee you right now. And here's the thing. Again, it's not we commend ourselves. God commends us. God does the calling. God will find his men or women. God will find them. He retrieved Moses from the backside of a desert. He'll find him. He, he brought David. He fetched him off the pastures of his father. He found him, didn't he? Amen. He reared Samuel from a barren womb. God will find his men. He put a burden on Nehemiah while Nehemiah is serving in a high-profile job as cupbearer to the king. Listen. You don't have to go chasing after ministry. Ministry come chasing after you. We don't have to promote ourselves. God will promote us. Because the biggest stamp of approval 
is not our own opinion. It's God's opinion. Because when God calls a man, when God approves a man, he will stand near that man. He will stand with that man. Folks, it's later. The reason why I'm saying this, and I'm, I, I could go on and on tonight. As a matter of fact, I had several more pages, and it was going to several more pages because I was on a row. But I cut it off. So I'm, I'll be cutting short of where I could have went and how long we could have been. But we, we got plenty of parts. We're already at this whatever point, what, 20, 28? So we got plenty. We can go 30, 60, whatever. It's later in Acts 27. Look at this. It's later in Acts 27. Paul and several individuals are threatened with shipwreck. All right? Remember the story? They're on the ship. It's a tempestuous storm. They're on a troubled sea. They're, they're, they're fearing that all the lives are going to be lost. Paul is on that ship. There's a lot of other prisoners, other people, amen, that are up on that ship. And Paul steps forward and he assures those that are in earshot of his voice that no man's life is going to be lost. Paul says no man's life is going to be lost. And this is what he says in Acts 27 and verse 23. For there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve. You know what Paul's saying? God separated me and God sent me several years back and there stood by me, commended. There stood by me this night an angel of the Lord, an angel of God. And so that's the reason why I can stand here flat-footed today and tell you that no man's life is going to be lost in this tempestuous storm that we're in right now. Someone say amen. Paul even tells him, uh, God told Paul through the angel of the Lord, he says, I'm going to give all these that sail with you. You're, 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 not going to, you're not going to have any of those that are lost. Amen. What I'm saying tonight is this. God will not leave a man he has commended in a dilemma. At least he won't leave him by himself. But he'll be near him. He'll be with him. That man that he approved. Yes. That's the reason why when we have young works that are being started by home missionaries in storefront churches that have to set up and tear down every Sunday their sound system, their pews, and everything else because they're renting the building and many times they're sitting there and they're speaking to their wife and their two children sitting on the pew and nobody else when they first start. That's the reason why they can five months from there still be there, a year from there still be there, see little growth in here and there and be able to know that everything's going to be all right because they've heard the call of God and the spirit of God had separated them for the work and he had sent them for the work and they know as I stand here and look at these three people I know I do not stand here alone I've been commended by the Lord and if I have he's with me he's near me yes someone say amen so this is going to go a long way forecasting for next week All right, this is going to go a long way that a man has been sent and commended by God because Barnabas and Saul, it's going to be absolutely needful that God is going to be with them because their first opposition that they face is a sorcerer, a false prophet, a man named Bar-Jesus or son, if you will, of Jesus. That's a falsehood. Let me tell you. You want to know with certainty you are where you should be whenever opposition starts coming. Because if you are not convinced that God is with you or nigh you, at the first wind that blows, your tail will be too, through your legs and you'll be waddling off. We ain't not talking about starting churches. We can take any position in this church right now. Amen. You want to be a Sunday school teacher? Let the first opposition happen with some parents of a kid that you're a Sunday school teacher over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to be a music director? Great. Just wait till the complaints start talking about how it's too loud. Or you don't sing enough of the old songs. Or you don't sing enough of the new songs. You want to be a pastor? Just wait till the, everything comes. It's too hot in here. It's too cool in here. I didn't like what you was preaching tonight. You was preaching just right at me. You want to become a youth leader? Just wait till you mishandle their teenagers. Let me tell you something. 
And a lot of those episodes, you just got to swallow a lot. It's not true, but you just swallow a lot. You smile, you say, okay, and you go on, and you can't just defend everything that's come down the pike because if you would, you'd be just getting defending done all the time. You just got to take it and let it be water off a duck's back and go on and be the better person. If you want to set up men's breakfasts, they'll say, well, I'd much rather be going to hog heaven than Twin Rivers and Cutting the grass is too short. It's not high enough or it's, you know, they weed-eat it wrong. I'm serious. If, the, if, you, if it's cleaning the church, well, they didn't put the toilet paper back on the road the way that I like. I'm telling you. Honey, I might be a young pastor, but I've been around pastoring a lot. <laughs> Rubbed arms and shoulders with a lot of pastors through evangelizing that just needed somebody to talk to. You want, you want the, com, the commending of the Lord. You want him near you and nigh you. You want God standing with you when you are being withstood. Amen. Stand with me. Where are you all out tonight? God, help them. Bless their hearts. I told you I won't go get through those 52 verses tonight. I told you right. We got five into there. Feeling pretty good about that. Sent by the Holy Ghost. These were men who were sent by the Holy Ghost. Had the hands of fleshly men put upon them, but that was all ordained by the Holy Ghost. By the Holy Ghost. And you, you, you want to go when God says go, but only when he says. Not whenever you conjure up in your mind that it's time. Not when some other person says you want to do it whenever God says do it. There's a young man today. Know him very intimately. He he grew up in the church, grew up in a pastor's home, got to a certain place and position in his life that he felt like it was time to go evangelize. Went out evangelizing for just a few months. Things didn't quite just go the way that he thought it would should go. Came back home, backslid. To my knowledge, not even in the church still yet today. It's important to know when God calls and God sins. Do I believe that boy was called? I absolutely believe he was called. Do I think that, I'm just saying from a personal vantage point, do I think the timing was right? No. I think things could have turned out differently if there was a little bit more ministering to the Lord between the time of the call and the time of the sending. It's all vastly important. All vastly important. Because let me tell you, it takes a certain level of maturity to enter into some position in the ministry. Because he'll either make you or he'll break you. But when it's done by the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying it'll be without opposition. Because they're about ready to meet that coming up. Not that it'll be without opposition. But you have the confidence that God is commended. And there's someone standing near and standing by me. And that is the spirit that separated me and sent me and called me. It's not left me alone. If we embower our heads in this place tonight. Father, I come to you. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.